Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to General Order 4. On today's episode, we interview Pastor Daniel Walker, who's a young pastor who's begun discipling people within his church. On this episode, we interview him and just talk to him briefly about how things are going with discipleship and the experience that he's having. So thanks so much again for listening. We hope you enjoy. absorb all this knowledge and all these things but what good is it just for us to know yeah it, it, a good illustration is this we have salvation wonderful but we are telling others right so that they can also rejoice mm-hmm. so why not tell others about what you know in the bible today's episode, I'm doing an interview uh, with a pastor that I met while I was on deputation, Pastor Daniel Walker, um, here in Dublin, Georgia. And so um, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and just have you introduce yourself, and we'll get right into it. Sure. Yeah, I'm Daniel Walker. I've been pastoring here for almost six years here in Dublin, and the Lord has blessed tremendously, and we're just glad to be a part of this today and help you you out. Yeah, so when I was here, we had a conversation about... Um, the importance of discipleship, particularly about the baseline things that every Christian needs to know that needs to be built into their life so they can continue to grow and become a contributing member within the local church. And I know that now you and I have had a couple of conversations about how the majority of the church in most American churches does not contribute whatsoever, the members themselves. And so um, we both have a burden for to see people not just saved and then growing through the pulpit ministry, but then also to see those people developed into working and functioning members of the church. And so if you will, um, just kind of explain to, to me and to the listeners what happens. You've got somebody who either comes off, off the street or is invited to church by a church member or something and is saved. Um, what, what do you as a church do to develop that particular individual? Uh, further after their salvation? Sure, that's a good question. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ told uh, Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I, I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. Right. And then he said, later on, he said, feed my sheep. And that tells me that as a pastor, that as, as especially as a Christian, that we have an obligation to lay a foundation in mm-hmm. new Christians and then continue to build upon that. Uh, a shepherd is a lot. He he feeds, he waters, he tends to, he he helps bind up wounds, all those kind of things. Right. We all know this. Uh, when someone comes in to Willing Heights Baptist Church and they hear the gospel, uh, and hopefully, willing, Lord willing, they get saved, uh, the very first thing we do is we give them uh, a little booklet. And what that does, it enables us and the individual to have a study group together, a study time together, and go through those lessons about assurance, Baptism, church membership, all the way, all the way through tithing—just some fundamental things that every Christian needs to know. Right. But we just don't leave it there. Um, I think it's important that we as Christians make ourselves available to other to these baby Christians that come in and get saved. Uh, if it's your friend, you bring them to church, they get saved, and you're a Christian, and you should tell them what you know about God, mm-hmm. even if it's just a little bit uh, or a whole lot. Tell them what you know. And I believe that has a lot to do with that. 
during that time of, of, of vital growth. Right. So there's a relationship that is already existent between those two people. Right. So you, you the, the, the person brought this person to church. They got saved. And now there's already an established relationship between those people. They don't know you from Adam. Exactly. You know, but there's an established relationship between those two. And mm-hmm. so the the uh, relationship that they have can contribute in that person's learning process and also builds a trust with the church as well. For sure. Absolutely, it does. Because like you said, they already trust, they already know this individual. They work with them. It's family. They're, they've been friends for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, they walk in and, and, and see me and, you know, I told them they're lost, dying, and going to hell. You know, and right. ho- hopefully they get saved because of the truth. But they go, why didn't you tell me before? What else is there? Mm-hmm. And then that person has an opportunity to give them what they know. But here's where I think that fault falters is because we as leadership in churches, whether it's pastor, associate, pastor, Sunday school teachers, or other, other individual Christians, we don't enforce and encourage discipleship the way that we should. And other denominations and cults are outdoing the independent fundamental Baptist because they're in, I mean, everything is about training, everything's about knowledge, everything's right. about this or that, or this book or this step or this step or this kind of, uh, you know, stamp of approval on this, on part, this part of your life. And we like, we, we just, we expect everybody to come in, get saved, get baptized in the church, and all of a sudden be just as smart as we are when it comes to yeah. the Bible. Sit down and, you and listen. Can't, yeah. You can't do that. You have to teach people. You have to train them. And so that... That new believer that has come in, and, and you said you use that booklet as kind of like an introduction, get the baseline kind of things. Yeah. And I'm sure that doesn't, that goes differently for every individual. It might take longer for some than others. Um, Absolutely. But then after that, they've kind of gone through some of those basic things. They've been baptized, they're members of the church, they're growing, they're doing well. Um, at, at this point now, this they're obviously they're not fully developed and they're, they're beginning to have some ideas about wanting to serve. How are they getting plugged in once they're starting to understand some of these things? Um, you mentioned the booklet earlier. We, we make sure that that individual has someone that can help them with that, answer questions. And I think also it's, in, it's important for leaders in churches to make themselves available for new converts. Mm-hmm. Um, give them your phone number. Check on them. Text them. We live in a world of technology and, and Facebook and all these different things. Check on them. Hey, how's it going? Hey, did you read this today? Do you have any questions about it? I think a lot of the uh, the downfall too is that we're just we've just become complacent and lazy when it yeah. comes to discipling people. Look all throughout the Bible. Whenever when the Apostle Paul got saved on Damascus Road, he was blind for three days. Uh, you know, Ananias goes and it's brother Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord's the Lord has sent me to you to, to help you receive your sight, and he gets his sight he's baptized. He eats. And then what does the Bible say? He said he was with, he was with certain days with the disciples. The yeah. He was there being trained. Mm-hmm. After training, then he went into ministering. Right. And we skip that part. We go, hey, you're new, you're you're young, you're full of energy, like you said. Let's just throw you out of the wolves. And mm-hmm. we wonder why it doesn't work. Well, I feel like there's two camps. There is, I mean, there's obviously there's more than this. I'm generalizing, but there's two typical things that I see when I go into a church. One either the same old people that have been doing the same old thing for decades and decades and decades mm-hmm. are still doing the same old thing and the new people don't get plugged in at all yeah because they, they get told okay great you're saved sit in the pew yeah um, 
and there may be some idea about okay, well, they need to mature more before we can put them in, but they're not doing, they're not helping the maturing process. And then the other camp is your new fresh blood throw you in, yeah, with absolutely no training whatsoever, yeah. And then you get a lot of turn and burn, exactly. you know, people in and out, in and out, in and out of church. And there has to be a balance, uh, you know, everything done decently and in order. Mm-hmm. If we would just get back to the Bible and look at and, and, and listen, you're, we're in my office and there's a whole wall of books behind me, and I've got books on just about everything. But I think leaders have become too determined and too dependent upon books and not the Word of God. Right. There is examples for everything that we do in ministry: how to grow a church, how to grow people, how to get people saved, how to how to give the gospel, how to deal with difficulty it's all there and we'll stand up and we'll preach this and we'll teach it we'll say hey we believe this and then we don't adhere to the teaching that we say we believe right and we wonder why it all goes awry mm-hmm. um, I think we just get back to the fundamentals of scripture we would be in so much better shape as a oh, yeah. local church and but also as um, I don't want to say a movement but we, we would we would be in better shape for Bible-believing churches across the land. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, we... I think one of the other things that we've seen, and I'm not I'm not trying to bash Bible colleges or anything because I'm a part of a church that has one. Yeah. But And so are you. But um, we've what we've seen a lot of the time is pastors abdicating their responsibility to teach by sending people to Bible college. Yeah. Or not giving them any experience in ministry before sending them to a school that's supposed to train them for the ministry. Yeah. And, you know, I remember church that I grew up in, um, we we had people that we were sending to Bible college that had been saved for hardly any time at all, had never been able to prove themselves in Scripture, never been able to serve in the church, never got plugged into the church, and then got thrown into the Bible college atmosphere. And then we wondered what happened when they totally fizzled out. Yeah, and uh, no one brought them along. They couldn't skip to step F mm-hmm. because they'd never been brought through A through E. You know, yeah, we can't allow emotion to override biblical intellect. Uh, and what I mean by that is, when we get saved, we get on fire for God, and that's a wonderful thing. And and I hope that if you're listening to this, that you're still on fire for God today. Right. You know, I've been saved. I've been saved for 23 years. Um, that's kind of hard to believe, being I'm only 33. But it's it, when, <laughs> when you think about it, yeah, I got saved as a young man. I was 10 years old. It's like, wow, I've been saved for 23 years. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never lost that excitement for the Lord, and I, I pray I never do. But they go on fire for God, and it's like, oh, this is great. Well, the preacher's preaching, and he's I like him. He's my friend, and this guy's going to Bible college. And, I mean, I, I want to go, too. I want to go get more, mm-hmm. right? And the churches, like you said, they're so just so apt to hey that's a great and it, and it is a good thing and it has worked for some people it has it has worked for some people but you also have those that need to come in and get grounded first I had made mention to you uh, I'm from Bible Baptist Church out of Brunswick Georgia uh, Dr. Michael Landrum is my pastor mm-hmm. he's been there for 45 years he's had a Bible Institute for 38 years um, I left that, that church knowing what I believed why I believed it and how to prove it if questioned. Mm-hmm. Not by opinion, but I could take it to the Bible, chapter and verse, and say, Thus saith the Lord. Right. And it, I think it's interesting, even if you look at the Great Commission, 
what Jesus says to them. He says, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard something, you haven't learned it, you can't teach somebody else. Exactly. And you're not responsible to. Yeah. Because you don't know it. Exactly. But what you do know, you are responsible to teach to somebody else. And the problem is, we've got, like you said at lunch, a good 80% of most churches that know a lot of stuff. Because they've been sitting in the pew for a long time. They aren't teaching any of it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. It was once explained to me this way, and it's this, is that if you take a sponge and soak up water, it's going to soak that water up. And if you leave that sponge full of water, this was my my, uh, senior uh, high uh, youth pastor. He said, you leave it full of of water, what's going to happen? It's going to mold. It's going to mold and rot. Mm -hmm. He said, if you take take it and you squeeze it out, it stays fresh. He said, always be willing to squeeze what you know out to others so that they may know. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me for my whole life, and I've never forgotten it. We can absorb all this knowledge and all these things, but what good is it just for us to know? Yeah. It, it, a good illustration is this. We have salvation, wonderful, but we are telling others, Right so that they can also rejoice. Mm-hmm. So why not tell others about what you know in the Bible? Right. Something that I try to do with my men here is that I just if I if I read my Bible and I find something, hey guys, look at this. Look what I look what I learned today. Look what God reminded me of today. I just send out the mass text message. You know, there's there's no class, there's no scheduling. Mm-hmm. It's just here's a truth that I found today. I hope it'll help you. Right. And little things like that make a big difference with your people because the pulpit ministry, like we discussed earlier, is a reinforcement ministry. You are you're declaring truth, yes, new things also, but you're 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 leading people to where you want them at through discipleship. So when you're teaching the Bible, they're right there with you. Mm-hmm. They know what you're talking about, they've got the background, they've got the doctrine, and they basically know where you're fixing the head. Right. And what that does is help reinforce the truth of Scripture in their heart and in their mind. Mm-hmm. So they can go out with confidence and say, guess what preacher taught on today? Right. Charles Spurgeon in his ministry had people that literally wrote down his sermon word for word. And at the end of church services would go out and repeat his message to anyone that would listen. Our people should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But only if they've been trained to do it. Right. If they don't understand the doctrine, they can't go out and say, well, here's what preacher talked about. Well, he said something about this and over here and justification and sanctification, but I, it was good. You should just come. That person's <laughs> more confused now than they were before you talked to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if you can give them the doctrine behind it, it, it makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. Now, I liked when we, we went to dinner just before we started recording this, and I liked what you, when we were talking, you were talking about how you, you try every opportunity that you have to take somebody with you when you do just about anything ministry wise talk to us about that a little bit yeah absolutely so um, I was I was very shocked when I came into the ministry I had this this idea that everybody knew the basics (laughs) well I was wrong (laughs) I had a lady that came to me she'd been saved 40 something years and she says pastor she says I've never been taught how to study my Bible. I've never been taught how to interpret my Bible. Mm-hmm. I was floored. 
and when that kind of that when that realization hit me, it was kind of like, okay, they're not just getting enough from me on Sundays and Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and Sunday class. I'm going to a meeting at the end of next month, and I have invited every man in our church. It's some money. It's, listen, take off, do whatever you got to do. Let's get in the church van. We'll get a hotel, and it's two days of preaching. But look at that. So, well, how's that going to help them? Because they're going to be with me for two days in a van mm. and in a hotel room yeah. around meals, and I can go, hey, what did that mean to you when he said this? Yeah. Did you understand what this preacher said when he said this about salvation or this about justification or this about Israel? Did you understand this? Well, no, not really. Well, okay, let me tell you, let me explain it to you. Right. And that gives the opportunity one on one in a in a safe, secure location with people where they can open up and say, Preacher, I don't understand this. Can you help me? Right. But any opportunity, soul winning, visiting, um, Going to another church member's house to help do something. Hey, can you come help me? Sure, what are we doing? We're, we're going to help so-and-so move. And we as leaders need to take every opportunity. Right. And when Paul Paul writes and talks about the older teaching the younger, older men teaching the younger men, yeah, the older teaching the younger men, he's writing, he's, talk, he's talking to Titus, he's saying, I don't believe he's necessarily talking about age. He's talking no, about maturity. Exactly. Right? So you might have a guy who's 25 that's leagues ahead of somebody who just got saved who's 65. In that scenario, that 25-year-old is the older, mm-hmm. right? Because he's the more mature one. He's the one that's developed more. And when you're you're pitting people together like what you're talking about and, and doing things with them, mm-hmm. then they have the opportunity to do that teaching. But if they don't hang out outside of church, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's just not. It's just not. And, and I think that's another thing that we're missing. Somehow we're not encouraging people to spend time together outside of church function. And I think church function is great. But what is fellowship? Scripturally, it's, it's spending time. time together yeah. around God's Word. Exactly. You know, the Bible never uses it talking about lunches and <laughs> you know, all the stuff that we call fellowship. You know, yeah. But it's talking about stuff that's around God's Word. And we get two or three people together. And we talk about God's word, or while we're swinging a hammer, yeah, um, that's fellowship. So you've got you've got somebody that's gotten saved, that's starting to grow, that's grown to the point now where they feel like that they're called into ministry. Mm-hmm. Now I know that you've got the school here, mm-hmm. um, but even talking outside of Bible college as a pastor, mm-hmm. what are you doing in that person's life now to help bring them along, teach them, train them? Ministry-wise, well, I haven't had anybody come to me and say, "Hey, I want to be in the ministry." I'm, I'm longing for those days, <laughs> uh, so I can't tell you what I'm doing, but I can tell you what I would like to do, uh, and that is to simply invest my life into them. And any any information, any facet of ministry that you can gain, you learn two things: what to do and what not to do, <laughs> and that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. So I would like to, if, if the Lord allows it to happen in our church, which I pray He does, I would I would hope to have that person come in and just spend time with me in my everyday, going ministering, doing weddings, going to funerals, sermon preparation, show them how to do those kind of things, make an outline, teach a class, stand in front of people speaking, just basic information that we say is ministry oriented. But there's some things we can't teach. 
you can't teach people how to love people. Yeah. Only God can do that. And I think we have to watch for that. We have to watch the person's spirit. Mm-hmm. Is this person called or are they just infatuated with the calling? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, and not, you say, well, no, no, you're, you're judging, Pastor. No, I'm, I'm not trying to judge. I'm trying to be a good steward of God's people yeah. and of God's ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's countless of men, and I've heard some stories over the years that have invested in people's lives. They were just shocked whenever they went crazy. You know, and just completing all their training. And I think the key is that we miss something in the process. Yeah. You know, so I, to answer your question, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Those are some things I would like to do. To, to, to kind of further on that idea, you've got, obviously you have other teachers here mm-hmm. yeah. other than yourself. So mm-hmm. those men and women, how were they, I hate to use the word selected, because obviously the Lord's put them where he wants them. Yeah. Um, but how did you go about as the pastor determining? Okay, these people are fit to teach, and maybe these people aren't. Or mm-hmm. how did how did you how do you make that decision? Obviously, that starts in the discipleship process, but you have to gauge that somehow. We have some that came in and came from a non-denominational background. Now, fix. I hear the eyebrows going yeah, up right now. Stuff right there. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and they're they're like, "What? What are you doing? You're you're not a fundamental Baptist." Well, I assure you that I am, uh, and I can tell you why I am. We had a family come in, uh, and, and this is this is this is so good. This is this is just the Lord. Uh, I'm a white pastor, and the world we live in is so culturally diverse right now that if the pastor's white, your whole congregation's white. Well, not here. Mm-hmm. I have black leaders. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's wonderful. And that couple that came in was was a black couple. They had heard me preach. The wife worked in a nursing home and heard me preach in a nursing home ministry. We invited her for years, and she never would come. Finally, she walks in one day, just in the back door. I was like, hey, I know you. you know. And she said, yeah, I'm so-and-so. This is great. Where's your husband? He's, he's working. I said, well, he, she came for like three or four services by herself, and then he came. Have a solid testimony of being saved. They know that we're strictly baptized, just in a church that... Didn't have any doctrines, mm-hmm. and you know we went over Calvinism, we went over all that kind of stuff with them. We went over, uh, you know, ec- uh, uh, ecumenicalism and all this, and they and they understand it. And go this, and they can say yes, you're right, because there was no standard, there was no, there was this teaching and this teaching seemed to contradict this teaching, and it was everything here is systematic, mm-hmm. you know, and they love that. Plus the one on my wife on Thursday nights, mm-hmm. her husband's learning from me. He's he's one, he's, he's our assistant treasurer. They're just good, faithful people that want to know more about God. So when you see that growth in the individual as a pastor, that is a decision that you will have to make with much prayer. Right. But I believe watching that and seeing that is to gauge that person on their growth, but you have to be involved. You can't assume they're getting it. Right. You can't just throw it out there and say, well, okay, you either eat or you don't eat. And that is so many people's personalities. Mm-hmm. And I get I get what they're saying. You're teaching the doctrine. You know it's right. That's great. But they don't know that you're right. Right. And I, and I always encourage my people, go back. Look behind me. Don't take my word for it. And again, I'm hearing eyebrows go up. We're flawed. Oh, yeah. I could make a mistake. I could get excited about something and say something. Like, for instance, I could say, and God forgave me of all my sins... And not my sin, yeah. Singular and plural. 
when they got somebody thinking they have to repent of every single sin they've ever done. Yeah. And I used that because I did get excited one day preaching, and it came out sins and not sin. And one of the dear men of God here that's a, that's a member of the church said, Preacher, I just want to make sure that you understand that you said sins and not sin. Now, you don't believe that, right? I said, did I say that? And I went back and I watched the tape. And sure enough, I had said that. And mm-hmm. then, here's the key. Here's the key. Have enough... How do I, how do I put this tactfully? <laughs> have enough character yeah. and strength to say, hey, church, I misspoke. I want to make sure that you understood that what I was saying was this. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that a few times as a young pastor. And, and I address it up front before the next sermon. Not after, but before. Right. Hey, I was wrong. I got excited. I misspoke. Here's the truth. Here's the doctrine. Here's the verses. I apologize. Now let's move on. Right. And what that shows you is that that teaches your people that you really have their best interest spiritually in place. No, that's that's great. And I really like what you how you talked about how um, you're working with this couple. Yeah. You know, you and your wife. Obviously, that's preferable. If you got a married couple and a married, you got another married couple that can work with them. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, it, it may not always the situation may not always lend to that, but if you can do that, awesome. But I, I liked how you talked about specifically how you're spending time with this man, your wife's spending time with this woman, and you're seeing them grow, you're developing, but they're not just being thrown out to the wolves and expected to know what you know. I've been studying through Samuel, and um, I can't seem to get past the first couple of chapters. <laughs> but um, I. I was speaking to a group of people just the other day, and I pointed out, it says, of Samuel, as a child, but it's talking about for the rest of his life, in chapter 3, mm-hmm. it says that he did let none of his words fall to the ground. Yeah. They're talking about for the rest of this guy's life, from the time he's as young as 8 in that passage, maybe around 12-ish. Yeah. It says that from that point on, every time God spoke to him, he delivered exactly what God said. Yeah. I mean, talk about a testimony. I mean, that's exactly what we're all supposed to be doing, isn't it? And by delivered, it wasn't just the words he spoke, but the character, how he lived his life, his conduct. Yeah. And then, but that's that idea of just delivering truth that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole. That's the whole purpose of the podcast. That's the whole purpose of discipleship. That's what discipleship is: is just taking that truth that you've received from the Lord. You may have received it from different people and from different places or from your own personal study or whatever, but it all came from the Lord and taking all that truth. And then you're purposefully instilling that truth into other people, whether you're the pastor or you're the church member or you're the, you know, the guy who cleans up the garbage at the church, whatever, whatever the job is, you're still supposed to be ministering the word. Yeah. You know? And so every Christian responsibility is to give the gospel, to give what you know. Right. You know, uh, the Bible says, "Be ready to give an, give an answer to every man that asketh of thee." Mm-hmm. That means we're supposed to give an answer. Yeah, but I'll say this: don't give an answer if you don't know the answer. Sometimes the answer is, "Let me find out." Exactly, but yeah. then go and find out. And something we try to do here is is adopt the convert. So if it's your friend that gets saved, or it's a, a someone your age, talk to him. He's yours. Yeah. yeah, here, take this person, train them. Now, we're, we are a relatively small. We're about 60 people. That's kids and adults, everybody. So I still have a great opportunity to invest in a lot of people one-on-one myself. 
But larger churches, maybe you have a, you have a larger church, you say, well, I, don't, I can't be with everyone that gets saved. And I, and I get that. But you should have people you can trust to say, hey, I want you to take the Smith family and I want you to invest in them. Mm-hmm. Get their phone number, talk to them, befriend them. You know, not not some back back door way to try to prove something, but hey, I, I trust this family. I trust the, you know, I trust the Jones family enough to train the new family, the Smith family, to help them get started. Right. And I think that's important. That one on one, bring them up, and yeah. what that does is that builds camaraderie, that that builds knowledge, that builds spirit strength, that's that builds knowledge in them as a, as a Christian, mm-hmm. and it helps that person also grow. That is discipling because now they're growing. As a teacher, yeah, and then you're feeding this baby lamb, as Christ put it to Peter, you're feeding this lamb, and now you're growing together. Different areas, but growth is happening, right? Which is going to strengthen then your church. Mm-hmm. So long term, what you're wanting to see is obviously you're still reaching people, you're still teaching people, absolutely. But you're wanting to see that happen on multiple tiers, exactly. Where you're teaching this guy, but John's teaching this guy, and Nancy's teaching this lady, and yeah, it's all going on at the same time. We've already invested in John and Nancy. Mm-hmm. We've already invested in them, so now through that sponge, right. we've given them, we've we've wrung ourselves out to them. Now they have to go ring themselves out to somebody else. Right. And but while they're ringing themselves out, they are learning. Hey, I can do this. I can. Wow, they're actually. They're actually getting what I'm telling yeah. them. And they're coming back for advice when they need it. Yeah. And all and so, that. so you're growing teachers for future ministries. Mm-hmm. And you're growing people for future ministries. And then this person becomes a teacher and this person gets saved and it just keeps dominoing. Right. And that's how it's supposed to work. And we're, we've expressed on this podcast multiple times that it, it's, it's our opinion that if at all possible, if a person's mature enough, then the person who led that person to the Lord now have, they have a relationship with that person Absolutely. It's their baby. Take them under their and wing. Go, you know, the, that person just got saved. They're an infant in Christ. Exactly. They're and they need the sincere milk and it's your child. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree the whole 100%. And um, so that's great. And it's always good, I think, for people to hear it coming from multiple voices. Yeah. You know, obviously it comes from Scripture. And we've I think we've done a good job on this podcast of trying to back that up, that idea with Scripture. But it's always good for people to have another voice saying, hey, we're doing the same thing because it's what we find in Scripture too. Yeah, and so again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I really do. Thanks so and, much. Um, so, uh, if you are listening to this, you'll know what I'm about to say. I'm about to say that uh, we love to hear from you. And uh, if you have a question or comment or anything like that, you can reach out to us. I'll give you all the information in this thing. Uh, one way that you can help us uh, is to like, share, subscribe, comment, um, whatever your podcast platform allows you to do. All of that stuff helps us to be able to get the message into more ears. And so if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, but thanks again, Brother Walker, for, for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we'll continue our regular discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at generalorder4. Please like, share, subscribe, and comment.